You're listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, we are talking about Christopher Nolan's latest movie, Tenet. Uh, this movie is very confusing. I think at one point, Pierre says that we could not spoil this movie if we wanted to. So there you go. Very little spoilers in this. Uh, so no spoiler warning. If you are worried that there will be spoilers, then I guess hang back. But I really don't think there are. Um, yeah. And other than that, thank you for tuning in. Uh, some of you are listening to us on Spotify for the first time. In which case, I'm sorry, I kind of bungled this intro, but we're going to explain everything about this podcast just as soon as you've heard a little bit of the uh, soundtrack from Tenet, but backwards. Here it is. to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. Now, uh, some of you are going to be repeat listeners. Uh, up until now, all of our episodes have been on SoundCloud. At, uh, if you look for Heatwave, UBC, Heatwave Radio UBCO, you can find all of our episodes up there. But starting with this episode, this is going to be our first one. These will also be on Spotify. So if you're just listening to us from Spotify, uh, that's why you probably saw this labeled as like episode 50 instead of episode one. Uh, I don't know if I've done that yet. Uh, that might be a little confusing. But either way, uh, if you're wondering what this podcast is all about, um, well, we've, we've done a few episodes already, and that's basically what it is. We're talking about future classics right as they come out. We're going to... That's that's kind of the concept of this. Is that is that right, Pierre? Did I did I explain that well? I'm kind of winging it. Yes, I I do agree with your statement. It's not not wrong. Wait, I think I said that right. Yeah. So as you can tell, this is very improvisational. I'm not going to get into all the specifics of the podcast. We're here to talk about a movie, not the podcast. But uh, that's basically what we are, who we are. Uh, my my co-host Pierre, as you've already hello heard me um, refer to him. That's that's him right over there. Hello. You can't see me pointing. So and, uh, um, let's get into our first movie then. Or uh, yeah, I guess our first movie. And it this is uh, it's called Tenet. And it just yeah. came out today. We we had the pleasure of watching it uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, who um, I don't know about you, Jeff, but for me, I have he's actually like basically what got me into into movies and filmmaking into the in the first place. So a lot of love for this guy. Yeah, he's. Um... Certainly, like, he's one of the few directors out there, I would say, that where the director name is, like, a big draw. There's not that many of them. You've got your Quentin Tarantinos, you've got uh, Christopher Nolan, and, like, there's other directors that, you know, I'm interested in, but I don't 
honestly know if if someone like Spike Lee is as big of a draw for the average person as someone like Christopher Nolan or Quentin Tarantino or the other one that I'm forgetting, J.J. Abrams? No, that's not it. That's really I don't know. <laughs> that's not it. Yeah, I I think well, Nolan Nolan has a amazing way of being able to combine high concept ideas and mix them, I guess, with entertaining blockbuster uh, philosophies so that you kind of you kind of get a I, I think in my opinion like a a more thoughtful and philosophical movie um that is easily consumable by a mass audience so even if you don't really care for the the, the all like all the theories that'll come from a nolan movie or like the the uh, up to interpretation parts of it you'll you'll still get like a solid action movie or space like space exploration movie you know stuff like that and he's yeah and i think that's really what makes him uh in my opinion like probably the the most i guess marketable director right now mm -hmm. i can't think of any other one and uh it's really cool because this enables him to basically get a ton of money to make original movies and concepts which is very rare to see in hollywood nowadays I think it would, would it be wrong to describe Nolan as like a triple A indie director? Because he brings those same kind of indie, indie sensibilities that a lot of smaller movies have. But like his movies are as big as like a Michael Bay production. Yeah, I, I totally see that. And I, you, you really kind of see the, in, in the way he uh, augments his filmmaking uh skill i guess throughout his career and gets more and more money for his movies he he it's it's not really the i don't think his movies like in in terms of ambition have changed it's just like uh this he's able to create bigger and bigger and more epic movies i guess but his his ideas mm -hmm. and scripts were always very intricate so i, I love well, to yeah, see that about him and that he hasn't really thrown away the the very um clever parts of his scripts from the beginning even as far back as Memento, which um, I think, oh, I don't remember which Hollywood director said Memento is by far Christopher Nolan's best movie. But as far back as Memento, that movie is extremely ambitious on a shoestring budget, at least by comparison to later Nolan movies. It's uh, have you you've seen Memento, right? I have. Yeah, it's honestly mm -hmm. probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. And, and, and one of his first movies, I guess, too. So and also interestingly enough, deals with not time travel, but time shenanigans. Because um, Memento, the whole movie is... In Memento, is it is it that the whole movie is backwards or the scenes are backwards? The scenes are in backwards order, right? The scenes are go forwards and backwards and meet in the middle. Uh, oh, so right, yeah, okay. it, it is kind of like a time travel movie in some ways. But uh, yeah, and then... So it's kind of cool that, what, 20 years later we get Tenet, which also kind of deals with the same con like very loosely deals with the same concept but in a very very different way the, uh, yeah the concept is similar in that tenet also goes forwards and backwards and meets in the middle but it does it very differently because in memento it's him trying to figure out his memories more or less and so it's the storytelling that's doing the time traveling in quotes where yeah. here there's actual time travel involved kind of yeah uh very strange do you want to do you think that do you, do you think you can explain the concept of this movie i can try too but it's it's a little all I, over the place i will attempt to from what i can tell tenet 
Well, at, at its core, uh, and a lot of a lot of Nolan's movies, despite the high concepts, they'll have a core to them, like a core genre, I guess, that they're mm-hmm. rooted in. Uh, Tenet is a, I, I guess, like a spy thriller. Very, it felt very James Bond esque to me, um, or at least a lot of James Bond inspiration. Maybe some Mission Impossible and stuff like that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it follows a, a, a character called the protagonist. He's never actually named, and he just kind of refers to himself as the protagonist sometimes. I'm going to look up right now and see if he actually does have a name. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, he, from what I remember, he he is kidnapped, or he he gets caught on an undercover mission, I guess, and by the Russians. And then he gets interrogated, and then he kills, tries to kill himself. But when he kills himself, it, it turns out he ha- hasn't. And then he's brought into the secret organization called Tenet, where they deal. They use time travel shenanigans uh, and time. I guess no, it was like more like time dilations or something like that. So uh, specifically, they call it inversion. And the oh, okay. idea, the basic idea, is that some objects are traveling forwards in time and some objects are traveling backwards in time. And they have methods that they use within the movie to reverse those. So that, like, at certain times, they are going forwards, but then at different times, they are going backwards. And that's the basic idea of how time travel works in this. Yeah. And then basically, also, the the protagonist is given the task of, I guess, like stopping he's stopping someone from the future from destroying the past i guess and destroying all of yes. reality i think that's the general basis of it um we'll get into this more later but i it was a very confusing movie so um, yeah um and i think without going too much into it right at the moment i think that that's a problem that all of nolan's movies kind of skirt uh usually he's pretty good about making his movies make enough sense um but all of them have the potential to be really confusing and i think this may be the one that was the most confusing since i still don't fully understand it yeah i'm not entirely sure i mean i think it was a it was a mix of a lot of things but nolan this was like nolan at his max in that he's you can tell he's getting pretty cocky and that he doesn't really he's starting to care less and less if the audience understands what's happening in the movie, I guess. Or maybe he thought maybe he's just um, he just assumed like that, you know, audience have understood his movies to this point. So they should be able to understand Tenet. And so, uh, yeah, um, I think like the basic question that that we should get out of the way first is what was good about this movie? Um, and, you know, I. I I probably said that, like, not a lot, but in fact, it could be a lot. You'll have to stay tuned to find out. What was good, Pierre? What did you like about this movie? Um, I like to... There's a couple things. I guess, the the, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is Robert Pattinson. Uh, He doesn't have a huge acting role in this movie, for, like, compared to, like, uh, John David uh, Washington. I think that's his name. And... Mm -hmm. But he's still, I think, honestly, every scene he's in, he completely steals. He he makes his character very charismatic and fun to watch in spite of the script. I think the script actually gives him very little to work with. And a lot of his dialogue is relatively expositional. But mm-hmm. he makes he makes his character work. And it, it kind just... of 
reminds me of like Tom Hardy in Inception and in that like he's this character that honestly could have been really lame, but then they got this really charismatic actor to fill in it for it and then it made the character memorable. Yeah, technically there's nothing about Robert Pattinson's character which needs to be Robert Pattinson, which is kind of what I thought about Tom Hardy in Inception too. But like just the fact that Robert Pattinson is so charismatic makes him... I mean, I was always waiting for the next Robert Pattinson scene because I could understand his dialogue or I could understand when he spoke. You know, I liked seeing him <laughs> around and he had... He, he was just fun. He was just fun. A lot of the... I'm not going to say a lot of the actors, but um, Robert Pattinson seemed like he was having more fun than a lot of the actors on this. Okay, never mind. I did say those words. But anyway, <laughs> um, he, he, he seemed like he was having a lot of fun where John David Washington probably was. His role was a beefy one, but he did not... He, his character was very serious and very dour. And like, if John David Washington was having a lot of fun on this movie, you did not see it. Yeah, I, I, I think it's unfortunate. I think he, I think he could. I think he showed signs of, of interest in in the role, and like the the character had a couple interesting moments. But overall, it was kind of tough that because um, he's by far the character with the most screen time. Mm -hmm. um, like actually, like like a character like Robin Pattinson, he act. I want to say he's not in about like half the movie in terms of screen time. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. So, and he's he's like the second star, mm -hmm. if I I'm pretty sure. So, uh, I I I think there's a there was a lot of pressure on John David Washington to make this role work, and I honestly, I I mean, the, again, I don't think the script did him any favors, but I don't think he was able to bring any any uh, character to the role personally, and. Honestly, I think he was like pretty replaceable. I could see I, I could see anyone in that role and it probably yeah. would have been about the same, unfortunately. And I know he's a better actor than that. So Yeah, yeah well I'm... I mean I've seen him in the other thing that I've seen him in that I remember him in really well is Black Klansman, where he also had a very serious role, but also he was a lot more fun to watch in that role than in this one. Yeah. I guess it was a more fun movie too, and his character was a lot more um interesting it's, but it's a little weird saying that black klansman is a fun movie but you are correct i mean like yeah his <laughs> the concept in some ways was fun even though it was a very messed up movie but yeah so um but other things that were good were like i thought the cinematography was great uh hoyt van hoytima is uh, has been working with nolan since i think it was interstellar and he's been doing an amazing job. I think his, I think all of his movies since Interstellar have been like, have looked way crisper and nicer to look at. And uh, I think the action scenes were shot pretty well in this. Like lots, I, I wouldn't say like there was lots of, uh, I think it kind of ran into some of the stereotypical styles that we see in action movies. But mm -hmm. I, I thought like it, it was pretty well done. I, I know Nolan, honestly, I've hated Nolan's acting action scenes until I guess this movie, honestly, this is the first movie with decent action choreography and like and stunts, in my opinion. Um, I never I never really liked them before. Um, um, well, I guess this and Dunkirk. Dunkirk was pretty good, too. I would actually say that some of the Batman scenes were pretty OK, but you know, that's by when I think Nolan action scenes, most of what I think of is 
uh, Batman Begins, where there's jump cuts everywhere. Like every single shot is less than a second. And I hated that. But in this, like, there's a lot more, there's a lot longer shots. The, uh, the fight scenes are actually really cool. Uh, there's an, what's interesting is that because of the way that time works in this movie, there's a couple of fight scenes where you get people fighting, um, you know, you get two people fighting, but they're traveling in different directions in time, which means that one of the guys is either like, either he is filmed backwards or he has to like act like he's filmed backwards, which just makes the fight look really strange, which in a really cool way. Um, yeah, I guess like, I really like the action scenes is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the set pieces too are really cool. Mm -hmm. I love the, the amount of locations as well. It felt like a very international movie. Um, and I think the, so it, it kind of suits the, the scope of it because they were, dealing with the end of the world i guess so mm -hmm. i like i like that aspect too they were all i it looked like they were all shot on location um very very little studio time so mm -hmm. like stuff like that was nice to see and um i i can't think of anything else though what other goods do you have um i guess just uh to those i mean my the, the things that i thought were good were also would also be in the acting and the cinematography basically the cinematography i just talked about uh, the acting, you know, I agree, Robert Pattinson. I also liked Kenneth Branagh. He didn't do very much, and his character actually wasn't that exciting. I just really like Kenneth Branagh in general, and I think that he played that character well. Um, the thing about that character, well, like, that character was very emblematic of one major problem that this movie has that I'll talk about in just a minute when we move past the good stuff. But... Um, I just like Kenneth Branagh, so, you know, seeing him on screen was fun. And Elizabeth Debicki also did a great job as Kat. Um, she didn't do very much. I mean, I guess she did. She was on it. She was in this movie more than Robert Pattinson, but, like, it still felt like she wasn't that big of a presence, even though she definitely was. There's at least one point in the movie where time is all weird because that's the movie. But like the reason that time is all weird in the specific way it is, is because John David Washington makes a decision, which he would not have made if things hadn't happened, if the plot hadn't happened to Elizabeth Debicki's character. So, you know, she is a major force in this movie, but somehow she just kind of doesn't feel like it. Yeah. I think that's pretty common for Nolan female characters, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it is a bit sad. Again. Um, I guess he was trying a little harder in this time though. She, he definitely wrote a lot for her, um, yeah. but like she never felt as big of a presence as the other, the last person I definitely need to talk about as far as acting goes, Dimple Kapadia, who plays Priya, uh, who is like secretly the mastermind of everything. That's barely a spoiler because she's actually not like the main villain or the main hero or anything. She just knows a lot more about time travel than she's letting on. She is... John David Washington's contact in India. Anyway, she yeah. was really good. And like, she felt more important to the story, even though she was in way less of it than Elizabeth Debicki's character, even though Elizabeth Debicki's character was objectively more important to the story. Yeah, it's the weird, like, I, I, I really don't think that the the female lead and like the, the third highest, uh, I guess, credited person in the cast, like should be that forgettable. Exactly. And that's unfortunate, especially because she was the core, the emotional core of the movie, too. Yeah, well, and she was um, supposed to be, I guess. 
talking about the emotional core, can I just move on real quick to something bad? This is where I guess we True. can move Let's into the into problems it. with this movie. This movie had very little emotion. Uh, the I didn't get much emotion at all from anyone aside from Robert Pattinson. Like, John David Washington's character was extremely cold. Elizabeth Debicki's character was supposed to be, like you said, the emotional core, and she definitely had a lot of sadness, but, like, she felt... She still felt really cold. Like, there was... She didn't feel robotic, but the um when she would deliver her lines and when she would do stuff you would he you would feel like she would either um she, you, you would get either like fear or no emotion at all from her and like if she's supposed to be an emotionally dead character then that's fine and maybe she was supposed to be but if she's emotionally dead she can't be the emotional core yeah it's kind of a weird paradox in that mm. sense so yeah that, that's the thing i i that's the biggest problem with the movie like especially a blockbuster is that if you don't care for the main characters then you're really screwed and nolan honestly puts zero effort into it like he technically like had something with elizabeth debicki's character but he didn't even like attempt to make to add to that really like there's a couple like small flashback scenes but i just yeah, I, I never cared for that. So then, like, the whole end of the world plot felt just so wasted. Because then once, if you have such a, if the stakes are that large, right, and you don't have an emotional a connection with any of the characters, then it just becomes a lot of schlop. Well, and it becomes, nothing, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say nothing really matters because we don't, this is a fictional world. We don't care if the world ends because we don't, relate to any of the characters in it so yeah mm -hmm. yeah i was gonna say um it becomes hard to take the stakes seriously because um you know the, uh, apparently this movie is about the end of the world but like so the stakes could not possibly be higher but for one thing it's very unclear how what this particular doomsday is going to look like uh on the uh, but at the at the same time you know it, if we can't care about these characters it's hard to know what we have to lose so what is the world that's ending yeah so then it like we again we don't really are given any moments in this world as well like mm -hmm. a lot all the all the set pieces or whatever are designed to move the plot forward and we never get any type of emotional connection not only to the characters but you're right to like the world that they're in in general Mm -hmm. um it feels very disconnected from everything else and like even with stuff like you notice in the action action scenes you you never know it it pays very little attention to like the uh, bystanders and uh, showing like the effects of what's happening to people around them i guess yeah uh, even though according to how things see time inversion or whatever seems to work in this this should be super weird. Everyone should be like, what the hell is going on yeah. when they're seeing any of this? Yeah, we don't see any normal people react to like cars literally crashing in reverse and driving. And, yeah. Uh, like that would have been interesting, you know, kind of like, you know, in a superhero movie when people like, for example, when you see Spider-Man swinging around, people aren't just acting normally. They're like, oh my God, it's like a guy climbing walls and spinning webs. And then you feel like, 
how epic that is because even the people in the movie are are amazed by it right so we feel that well, with them whereas tenet is very little even the main characters don't seem to give a shit about <laughs> the time travel thing at all they're just like oh this is normal even though well it wasn't i guess yeah um, and actually i was gonna say even in inception uh the bystanders in that movie aren't even real and they're reacting to everything i mean nolan gives them a reason to but like here they are actual bystanders who inherently have a reason to be reacting to things and they don't care well it's not that they don't care but we never see them yeah so there's no point in us or there's no reason for us to relate to even like the that world in general Mm -hmm. so that really sucks um and then i guess like I just in terms if we're getting into like the concept of it in general, like it was way too overly confusing. Yeah. Again, there was a lot of things that kind of leading up to it. Like, uh, first of all, I want to mention, I think a lot of people have been talking about this. I've seen online, but the sound mixing and this is abhorrent. Like, it's really bad. I uh, even though like he keeps the exposition relatively small. So then like even when we do get exposition to be able to attempt to understand the the time shenanigans that are happening in this movie a lot of the times you can't hear it so and that's a huge thing because if you can't hear these scenes then you won't process what's happening later and then it's just like that whole so then like just because you don't understand one scene makes like that whole sequence i guess feel completely wasted because the whole time Uh you're just really confused yeah. Um, earlier on, I mentioned that one of the reasons I liked Robert Pattinson's scenes is that I could understand him when he was talking. Uh, I don't know exactly why that was, but by contrast, Kenneth Branagh, um, he was talking in an accent, which he actually nailed as far as I'm concerned. Um, he was talking in an accent and he was very quiet. And like half the time when he was talking, the bass was blaring from music that wasn't even playing. So there's nothing to listen to that I should be listening to except this guy's dialogue, which I cannot hear. Yeah. I, I also think like with the music too, it was very disruptive. I don't know if I want to blame the composer for that, but well, also I didn't think the music was that great compared to, I think Hans Zimmer has always completely nailed it with Nolan movies. Even if I don't mm-hmm. love the movie, like with Dunkirk, I didn't love that movie, but I could admit like the, the music really, really elevated it. Um, in some cases, in spite in spite of the movie itself, but this, uh, I would say, if anything, the music was distracting and overly loud for the sake of being loud. Um, I noticed it a lot, especially like specifically in exposition scenes where you really don't need any music, um, mm-hmm. especially because like the scenes weren't keeping trying to keep any type of real momentum. They were just talking scenes, but but you but you would still have this uh very heavy music that was again really unnecessary and i think it it serves to distract the audience um from from the characters and the dialogue i guess so and it's it's really a shame because there's for example there's one scene that i thought was really cool thinking about it now but it was so hard to even get what they were going for uh when i was watching it because of the sound mixing uh there's a scene where John David Washington's character is being interrogated by Kenneth Branagh. And I don't actually fully understand the scene, but it had a really interesting concept where everything Kenneth Branagh said, because he was moving backwards in time, 
was incomprehensible. I don't know if it was actually just played backwards. I assume it was, but it was not forwards and understandable. But then John David Washington would respond to it forwards. And like, again, I'm not 100% sure what was going on in that scene because in this movie, a lot of the things that should be cool scenes like that are not explained well enough to actually be cool scenes. Um, But more importantly, I already couldn't understand him, but I didn't know that that was the point like, I didn't realize immediately that the point was that I shouldn't be able to understand him because I also couldn't hear him very well. Yeah, so, like, that that shows, like, even even the mixing, even, like, in... I guess that, because that's a really... Like, I guess the mixing's really important in that scene because weren't there... Wasn't there, like, the... You, a character would talk and then there would be, like, an echo on the radio or something like that because they were in a different room? Yes. Sort of, yeah. but then I couldn't really tell mm-hmm. based off of that, so... And that and that's a really important scene in the movie, too. It is because that's Uh, kind of well. So part of how this movie works is like the first hour and a half of the movie happens. And then the next hour of the movie happens during the events of the first hour and a half. And the scene that we're talking about is where they decide to go back and do that, basically. Yeah. And. Again, I I had a really hard time understanding the rest of the movie because I didn't understand what was happening in the interrogation scene. So, yeah, it's just uh, kind of unfortunate um, that a lot of this movie didn't really make any sense. And uh, I think that's just, I don't really understand why. I think it was just a lot of things. Yeah, so like sound mixing, the script. Uh, I, w- I would say the directing itself was pretty pretty complicated too. Like, um the first like 30 minutes even like because honestly even without the the time stuff i remember at the start the the movie was moving so quickly between locations and and set pieces that like i i couldn't even understand the basic premise of what the movie was which i kind of learned later was just it's basically just the a stereotypical like someone's gonna set off a bomb and we need to defuse it yeah so a very simple concept done complicatedly, but I couldn't even get to the concept because uh, I as he kept talking because like he kept talking to a lot of different people about what was happening. Because I remember at the start, you're introduced to the main character, the protagonist through this uh, this kind of interesting action scene in an opera. It was it an opera house or a yeah symphony house? And then, I believe it was the National Opera House of Russia. No, Ukraine. Russia. Ukraine. Ukraine. Okay, cool. But yeah, anyway, so after that, once we get, once we kind of find out that um, he has entered into this new organization called Tenet, there's about three or four different dialogue scenes, maybe five back to back, that were trying to explain the plot. But I was just kind of so distracted by the shifting locations that I couldn't really understand like who because each scene I was like okay who is this person why are they talking to this person and what are they learning from this person and I could never I couldn't even get to the first part of like why like who is this person sometimes like I still don't Michael Caine was in this movie I don't really understand what his character was there for yeah it was um a lot of the location like I didn't get so as you said, they were trying to defuse a bomb. I didn't even understand that until the very end because there was so many different things that at any given point they could have potentially been doing and very few of them. And like, it wasn't clear 
what the end goal was. Yeah, I like honestly, it would have been so much simpler if they did the the usual thing of this guy he he like meets his team or whatever. He's at the headquarters of Tenet because I like I don't even know if Tenet. I didn't even realize Tenet was like an organization because there's no like was there a headquarters? That was really uh, confusing. Was it the ship? I don't believe Tenet was an organization that existed yet in this movie. Oh, okay. People knew about it because people time doesn't mean anything. But yeah. like, uh, I'm. It was unclear to me whether or not there was an organization called Tenet because clearly it didn't exist. And it didn't come into existence until the future. Uh, it was just unclear where in time it existed, since that's the case, and yeah. people would talk about it but no one would necessarily claim to be a member of it, even though there were members of Tenet. Yeah, I think that's what really got me because uh, like, especially like this, the first scene where we're introduced, this character kind of introduces him to the idea of Tenet on, on the ship. And then he's sent somewhere else randomly. And then he get learns more about time travel and stuff. And it was just too much. Like I, I really wish he was brought into a room and they just got all of this exposition out of the way. They they talk about, okay, we want you to do this, and we want you to shut down this bomb, and this is the bad guy. And then and then they explain the time travel thing in the same scene or something. Because well, that's what I like so much about Inception. Inception does that in the first half of the movie. I was gonna say in the first scene, but not not really. In the first scene, it explains its main mechanic, which is dreams. But then in case you didn't get it. And if you want to know more details, and if you want to know what the job is, they bring in Ellen Page, and Leo explains everything to Ellen Page. And then you don't need any more after that. In this movie, I would have appreciated any, even one scene like that. Yeah, there was no real fish-out-of-water moment. Um, that's really useful in these movies. And it's but... strange, because John David Washington fit the bill. He didn't know what was going on, really. So he definitely could have been the fish out of water. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he was set up perfectly for it. But then, like, he kind of learns how it works really quickly for no reason. Um, like, in the first scene, I, at least in terms of, like, when, they're, when they first start with manipulating time, like, they, they kind of, honestly, a lot of the comparisons felt like it was the force and that you just feel it out. Uh and trust your instincts essentially and that that was like kind of what the the time manipulation was um but then he just picks it up really quickly and then he starts using it and you're just like wait what like we don't get a chance for him to see him really learn it at least through application um that's why like inception we get a lot of in between exposition we also get them testing out or ellen page was testing out this world right yeah so and that was a really cool way of doing it because we were kind of exploring this alongside her and learning it at the same time whereas a lot of the exposition in this was kind of relegated to these random scenes spark sparkled throughout um which really didn't help the audience uh, at all and uh, i guess it was trying like it to me it feels like nolan almost realize like it's like he doesn't even understand what he's he's writing for me um because it's like because exactly like he refuses to explain it um we mm -hmm. even get like the scientist lady at the start when she's explaining how this all works she says don't overthink it which is a fair point right but then 
we really do need to think more about it because it gets even more complicated as the movie goes on. Because I was fine with it at first, but then they keep adding more things and they don't give sufficient explanations to them so that we can understand what's going on. It reminds me a lot of... Uh... Well, I mean, I couldn't help but compare this movie to another time travel movie that I did really like, uh, Ryan Johnson's Looper from, I think, 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and in that movie, also, time travel isn't explained super well. Um, and Ryan Johnson has Bruce Willis say at some point, you know, don't overthink it, basically. However, at its core, that movie is... Guy from the future has to kill him, or guy from the past has to kill himself from the future. And like, it never strays from that. It's very clear what's happening throughout the whole movie. And the time travel aspects are only as complicated as they need to be. And the moment he has the opportunity to make them more complicated, he does not. Where with, Chris, with this movie, the end goal isn't super clear from the, until nearly the end. And then when Christopher Nolan has the opportunity to add more mechanics, he just does for some reason, which makes this, which makes time travel in this movie or, you know, whatever time is doing in this movie, very difficult to understand because yeah, like, you all of a sudden need to understand it. Yeah. That's what kind of frustrates me is I, I think this, this movie could have done, been done really well if he just kept, kept it more in line with, I guess, his first explanations right like he could have he could have maybe done a more vanilla version of what he was trying to do and then just explain that quickly at the start and then let the movie happen right and i would would have been totally fine with that because um i honestly just really like nolan's straight up movies more like more uh more grounded movies personally mm -hmm. and i i think it would have been cool to see him do a straight up spy thriller in his style but then with an added concept like the the time manipulation uh, or inversion, but mm -hmm. it just kept adding things. And then we kind of got away from the spy thriller aspects and it just went into this crazy, like it, it, it felt like a stupid action movie as the, as the, as the story went on, like it felt very Michael Bay esque. And honestly, like it was pretty amateurish in some aspects. Um, it, like, it honestly, it kind of felt like I was watching like one of those straight to Netflix movies. Um, with these like ridiculously stupid concepts that get way out of control and make no sense at the end, which is really what happened in this, mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't I didn't get what's going what was going on. So, uh, so one yeah. of the ideas that they present in this movie is that the future is fighting the past for whatever reason. The future has decided that they want to kill the past, and so I kind of wit because that gave us the coolest action scenes, like where people were, were, where you would have two people fighting, but one of them is going backwards in time. I just thought that was super cool. So, like, I wish that I think it would have been a better movie if he'd stayed in line with one of those two explanations. Because the thing is, the, the future fighting the past is incongruent with his first explanation that you already said, but he gives kind of an explanation for it later, which is super confusing and ends up being like really complicated. But like, if he just uses that explanation of the future of some people go backwards in time, some people go forwards and they fight each other. Like you could also make a really cool movie out of that. I think that what it comes down to is that he just ends up being unfocused because the whole thing got out of his control. Yeah. And then it's like, just, it felt like it was like confusing for the sake of confusing, being confusing. 
mm-hmm. uh, at the end. And uh, I, I guess this is just like uh, an aspect of the concept being more interesting than the movie itself. Or I guess out. I, I, I think the concept's too big for the movie, maybe. And it wasn't yeah. really possible to get it done. I um, noticed that he just threw in a lot of references to other things that must exist in this world, but just aren't shown. Like he mentions the scientist who comes up with time travel, but then she thinks it's too dangerous. So she splits the time travel algorithm into nine pieces and divides them around amongst the realms of men, which I'm thinking, why put that in there? If you're not going to show it, like there's no point to talking about that. Yeah. It just made it even more confusing to me. I was just like, why are they talking about this? What, what does this have to do with the plot? Now the answer of what it has to do with the plot is that the end goal was to find the nine piece MacGuffin, which was in one piece because the villain had already assembled all nine pieces. Yeah, see, I actually, I didn't even know that happened in the movie. <laughs> uh, this is oh. news to me. Uh, well, I guess spoiler, because you didn't even know me, when you've seen yeah. the movie. Exactly, yeah. I couldn't spoil this movie if I wanted to. Um, well, that's good, yeah. because now we've done a spoiler-free review, kind of, since we did. it's impossible. Perfect. I wouldn't even want to get into the spoilers, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, so what do you think? Like, would you recommend Tenet, Christopher Nolan's spy thriller? I unfortunately would not. Um, I I think this is the first Nolan movie where I've been genuinely just like I don't I don't really care for it at all. I I remember kind of thinking it with Dunkirk, um, but I still saw the the potential in it, and I uh, there was some cool moments, and I appre- I guess I appreciated the the format he was playing in in terms of it being a war movie, so it was like very different from what he's done before. But this was just. I, I think Nolan went too far. He, 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 all his problems are just kind of at his max here. It's just the concept is too high. The characters are colder than ever. We don't really relate to any of them. Um, and it was, it was kind of long. It felt too long, but too short at the same time. Uh, just a lot of problems. And I hope he can get back to basics. Cause again, like I, my favorite movies of his are, uh, well, Inception's pretty high concept, but my favorite, my favorite other than those is like Memento, Prestige, and The Dark Knight, which I would say arguably are, are better than Inception. Um, and I would say and that those movies are very, very simple in terms of, well, they're not simple, sorry, they're, they're very complicated, but they don't, um, they're, I guess they're very grounded in terms of what the, the story is dealing with. Yeah, because Inception is a heist movie. Bat, uh, the Dark Knight is a movie about Batman versus the Joker. Uh, and Memento is a movie about a guy trying to get his memories back. And at, at their core, they all have that simple concept that they stick to. And even no matter how confusing they get, or no matter how complicated things get on the outside of that, there's always that one concept where like, in Inception, if you don't want to pay attention to how dreams work, at the end of the day, you still have a cool heist movie. Yeah. With Tenet, if you don't want to pay attention to how time works, I don't know how to help you, buddy. You're you have you, you've lucked out, or I mean, you haven't lucked out. You're you're out of luck. Yeah, and I I like I have no interest in finding out why this certain stuff happened in this movie, um, unlike Inception, because I think Inception gave you the right level of understanding, and if you didn't understand some parts of it, you were like, okay, I want to watch this again because I feel like I'm close to getting it right. This movie was just like I am not even. Like I, I'm not even like five percent into like understanding what this movie's about. So it's just and 
intimidating, honestly, to even like think about understanding the whole thing. And to be honest, I would love to see, I would love to talk to this movie's greatest fan in the world who ends up seeing this movie several times because I would bet that that person, if you, you know, if you see this movie enough times to understand how time travel works in this, I'll, I'll bet this movie is nothing but inconsistent in a lot of places. Yeah, and probably. so that that's what I'm thinking is like, this movie gives you too much explanation to the point where to us who, you know, don't fully understand it, it's more complicated than it needs to be. But to someone who does understand it, I don't think this movie is consistent with its own rules. Because I don't yeah. know how any movie could be because there's so many rules. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't even get the rules. So I couldn't tell when they were breaking them or not. But some of the things definitely felt a little odd to me, even not understanding them. So, yeah. So, yeah, I would say, honestly, this is probably Nolan's first bad movie, in my opinion, um, that I've seen personally. And uh, I guess it might be. I'm, I'm, I'm still excited to see what he does next. I really hope. This movie grounds him a lot and makes him try something smaller again because I'm honestly tired of seeing blockbuster Nolan. I want to get see him get back to uh, you know momentum, momentum, memento prestige Nolan. Uh, I think that'd be really cool to see. Yeah, with, I mean with his current uh, skill because I I honestly like I think his his skill is very apparent in this movie still, right? Oh, absolutely. Which, and like you, you definitely recognize his style and everything. It's just it didn't work because he's getting too big unnecessarily so if he could take what he knows now and bring it to a smaller movie similar to like like memento then i think we could have like a really really amazing movie again from him yeah i will probably never again sing the praises of joss whedon on this podcast but like when joss whedon finished avengers the next thing he did i think was like hamlet or not not hamlet it was, it was a some shakespeare yeah, a very small Shakespeare. Nothing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, much ado about nothing, which is fairly short. And like he just did it with some friends, which like that's what I want to see Nolan do. I mean, I don't think Nolan has it in him to do something quite that small, but like <laughs> something smaller than this would be appreciated. Yeah, that'd be that'd be nice to see. So um yeah, I I guess I give this movie probably like like a three out of ten. Did not like it. I I probably gonna end up watching it again because there are some parts of it where I have, I feel like I I almost got it in some senses, but then it also might just be the action because again like yeah a lot of the action set pieces were cool and I felt myself excited a couple of times, but it's almost like he wrote this movie with action sets in mind and then he's like all right let's write a story around that. So yeah, not a great movie. Well, what did I'm you? I'm gonna think? say well I'm I'm gonna say this is an emphatic no recommend from me uh definitely don't watch this movie um if you're listening to my opinion here i would say i would give it like probably also a three and one of those points is entirely robert pattinson like <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think i it's hard for me to call this a bad movie because i don't think it technically was like on any technical level this movie is at least competent and in a lot of ways well executed but like on way more levels it's quite badly executed and not enjoyable so like i agree with that i can't yeah i i, I can't technically call it a bad movie but it wasn't good yeah it really wasn't so uh that's our first non-recommended uh, 
I once again on our on our podcast, we've gone full I mean, circle. Yeah, if you guys go back to the very first episode we ever did, it was also an emphatic no from both of us. Yeah, from from a, a movie we were also very hyped for and expected well, to be good. Were we expecting At least I to was. be good? Okay. I was, yeah. But um yeah, anyways, uh what um what movie are we watching next? Do we have so, that? So yeah, so the way this so we will hopefully always announce what movie we're watching next. Uh, we haven't done that in the past all the time, but now we're going to start doing it. Um, as some of you may know, this is a very inconvenient time for movies uh, this year. So a lot of these episodes, once we get going, are not necessarily going to be on new movies that just came out as much as we'd like them to be. So we'll, we'll move on to some reviewing some, some older classic movies later on. And we have a whole system for that, but I'm very excited to introduce to anyone who doesn't already know it. But we do have another very, very special new movie that we're going to talk about next, which is a movie I've been waiting for for probably four years now. A movie called New Mutants. And it has been in development hell forever, to the point where Maisie Williams, one of the stars, when asked about it in 2017, could not remember very much about the movie at all. Yeah, it's so, it's going to be so cool or surreal to actually see it in theaters yeah this is a movie uh, i never thought this I, day would come yeah i was i was optimistic that it would come out but like i every time they announced a release date i never thought the release date would stick but now it has and it is coming out as of re this recording which will be in the past for you guys because the, the your your past is our future there it wow. is ties it all back together amazing uh, as of this recording new mutants comes out tomorrow so we will see it soon, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. Yep. See you then.